architecture, a construction worker. What does that person look like? How about the CEO of a bank? Or maybe a nurse? Or what about a pirate? Yar, so much sand, so little treasure. Whether you know it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, your brain has created a visual of that person. It's part of your unconscious bias. And guess what? No one is immune to it. But it's something we can all work on. Unconscious bias. It's what we're talking about today. Ho ho, mateys. I'm Jeff Livingston, and it's time we set sail for today's episode of ADP Canada's Insights at Work podcast. Let's dive in. This is the podcast that looks at what's happening in the HR world, takes your questions, and studies the research to help HR experts move forward. It's prepared by HR experts for HR experts. Today we're joined by Allison Lau, Director of HR with ADP Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. It's really my absolute pleasure to be here today to discuss this very important topic. Allison, all humans have unconscious bias, and in a lot of cases, we might be unaware of it. So let's start with the basics. Let's start with me asking, Allison, what's unconscious bias? Unconscious bias, Jeff, can really be described as a preference in favor of or against a same person or group compared with another. It can really have negative or positive consequences and really is the underlying stereotype stereotypes that people instinctively associate to another person or group of people that affect how they understand and engage with that person or group. The brain takes in millions of pieces of information a second, but only processes a handful. As our brain categorizes information and filters out the noise, it creates shortcuts. These shortcuts lead to assumptions and stereotypes that are hidden even from ourselves. Okay, so I hear the term stereotype. Does that mean that I can equate the term unconscious bias with racism or the word prejudice? Yes, I believe you could. Wholeheartedly, I think that we all like to believe we are unprejudiced, inclusive, and objective. But unconsciously, we tend to gravitate towards the people who look and think like us. Self-awareness around bias is critical, so it's great that we're talking about this today. Before we get into just how prevalent unconscious bias is in the workplace, it's got to be common outside of the office. But let's make sure everyone has a clear understanding as to what exactly unconscious bias is. Allison, can you give the listeners and I an example of unconscious bias outside of the pirate world? Absolutely. This example is an oldie but a goodie, and it's called the surgeon's dilemma, and it's a riddle. All right, sounds good. I love riddles. A father and his son are involved in a horrific car crash, and the man died at the scene. But when the child arrives at the hospital and is rushed into the operating theater, the surgeon recognizes the patient, pulls away, and says, I can't operate on this boy. He's my son. How can this be? Hmm. Well, the father and the son were in the crash. So, Allison, 
Tell me why the surging can't operate on the sun. Well, Jeff, I mean, the story is often used to illustrate the way that unconscious bias works. Of course, the surgeon is the boy's mother. But don't worry, if you didn't come up with this answer, you're not alone. And maybe you just need some more coffee. Research shows that less than half of those who try to solve this riddle successfully solve it. But that's the point of the riddle. It's to unearth our own biases and show that while we all have biases, they do not have to be reflected in our behavior. Allison, I tend to agree. I think people go back to those stereotypes at the end of the day. It's unconscious. We think of construction workers as males, nurses as females, and surgeons as males. Well, that is until we all became big fans of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, why did they have to kill off Dr. McDreamy? So now that we know what unconscious bias is and where we encounter it, how do we watch out for it? We can absolutely do something about our biases if we are motivated to do so. Many organizations hold unconscious bias training and is usually focused on hiring practices or improving diversity. There are different types of unconscious bias, the most prevalent being affinity bias. Affinity bias is the tendency that people have to connect with others who share similar interests, experiences, and backgrounds. When companies hire for quote-unquote culture fit, they are likely succumbing to affinity bias. It's only natural when a hiring manager meets someone they like and who know that they will get along with the team, they may want to hire them. However, it's important to recognize that this is not helping your team grow and diversify. While similarities shouldn't automatically disqualify a candidate, they should never be the sole deciding factor either. Affinity bias that's easy for me to relate to. I tend to enjoy hanging out with people just like me. But those people are hard to find, and I do suppose that's a good thing for the rest of the world. But you make a great point, Allison. You want a diverse group of people on the team with diverse personalities. Can you imagine having everyone on the same team having that type A, let's get things done personality? There would be clashes and things, well, they just wouldn't get done. So, Allison, how can companies avoid affinity bias? It's really important to take note of the similarities you share with the candidate so that you can differentiate between attributes that may cloud your judgment and, and the concrete skills, experience, and unique qualities that would contribute to your team as culture add rather than culture fit. It sounds like unconscious bias crops up most often in the workplace during the recruitment phase. And it sounds like there's a variety of biases hiring managers while they might be unaware of. As an HR professional, what are the tips an HR team should be providing to their hiring managers to reduce that bias found during the recruitment process? And Allison, where does that bias start? So humans tend to draw conclusions around a situation or person based on their personal beliefs rather than merit. This is sometimes referred to as the confirmation bias and pops up at the very beginning of the process when one first reviews a resume and forms their opinion based on inconsequential attributes like their name, where they're from, maybe where they went to school, so on and so forth. This opinion then can follow the hiring manager into the interview itself and result in having questions to lead to confirming the initial opinion of the candidate. So Allison, how can the HR professional influence the hiring process and support that hiring manager to minimize this confirmation bias? Great question, Jeff. 
While every interview is a unique conversation based on the individual's background, it's really important to ask standardized, skill-based questions that provide each candidate with a fair chance to stand out. It's also important to have consistency around those questions. So you're asking each candidate the same questions in order to see the differentiation in their responses. This will help prevent your team from asking too many off-the-cuff questions that may lead to confirmation bias. Each candidate is judged on the same playing field. When reviewing resumes or conducting interviews, and the interviewer is just becoming familiar with the candidate, there are two aspects of unconscious bias to be aware of. These are the halo effect and the horns effect. First, I want to review what the halo effect is. It's really the tendency of people to place another person on a pedestal or think more highly of them after learning something impressive about them. The manager may be impressed by the elite school the candidate graduated from, it, but if there's anything to be learned from the 2019 college admission scandal, it's not to judge a candidate on the merit of their name brand education. Activities are another source of assumption. Those that sounded more prestigious, like horseback riding versus basketball or softball, skewed the perception of the candidate. Those engaged in more prestigious sounding activities were considered more refined and successful than their counterparts simply because of the perceived financial status that those activities may bring. Ways to avoid the halo effect? When reviewing a stack of applications, try and take into account the unique achievements of all the candidates and look a bit deeper to see if they have all been given the same level of privileges and opportunity. The exact opposite of the halo effect is the horns effect. The horns effect is the tendency people have to view another person negatively after learning something unpleasant or negative about them. This could be something as trivial as a candidate working with a company you personally dislike. Such traits may alter your perception of the candidate entirely, even though it's a small factor that may not even be relevant. Ways to avoid the horns effect are take the time to figure out exactly where that gut feeling is coming from. It may be something superficial that shouldn't affect their chance at the role. Wow, I never knew that when hiring team members, I had so much happening subconsciously influencing my questions and my decision. You mentioned the horns effect, which is super interesting because I could easily see why a hiring manager might overlook a candidate who attended a rival high school or worked for a company where the hiring manager had a poor experience. Allison, I've always thought of myself as, well, pretty black or white. Maybe there's a lot more depth to me than my wife says. Jeff, nothing is truly black or white in the hiring process. But what you're trying to provide is the most honest and equitable playing field for candidates to be compared to each other. And let's not forget the rule that ageism can often play. Now, there's no longer a mandatory retirement age, and people are working now longer than ever. Workers start to notice ageism when they enter in their 50s. And at that point, it can be more difficult to change careers, find a job, or move up in their careers because employers tend to value younger talent. Even though their experience and expertise are critical skills for any successful business, training your team members to understand the issue of ageism and debunk some of the myths about workers at different ages. Allison, we've talked about what unconscious bias is and the different forms it comes in. Let's talk about what we can do to recognize and correct that behavior. 
what are some of the steps that we can take to lessen the effects of unconscious bias in the workplace? The pathway to overcoming bias begins by accepting how normal it is. When we accept that we have normal biases, it becomes much easier to observe how they may be impacting our decisions or reactions. Here are my top five tips to combat unconscious bias in the workplace. And you'll notice these top five tips center around curiosity and empathy. And I wanna keep, keep that in mind as we review these top five. Ask yourself questions. This is an effective way not only to gain insight, but to lessen the grip on the bias has on you. Whenever the thought or bias arises, you can ask yourself, is this bias of mine fair, relevant, or even worthy of having? Be willing to honestly admit your biases. Curiosity is a very powerful trait. Number two, educate. Developing reference material for the organization. Seminars or workshops, newsletters, posters, or other resources that increase awareness about racial, cultural, and other differences may prove very useful. Number three, really listen. Take the time to listen with genuine concern and compassion. It's important first step. Seeking understanding is a close second. Practice sensitivity. Regardless about what you learn about another person, the point is that by exposing yourself to different opinions and values, you'll go a long way in overcoming any prejudice or misunderstandings that you may have. Number four, build blended teams to increase awareness of different perspectives. And finally, number five, implement structures and procedures. If you're in a position to do so, put in place the structures and procedures in your organization that deal with these biases. These can include targets, accountability for such, expert networking for women and minority groups, all designed to have more social interaction with influential people. Structures can eventually lead to behavior and mindset changes. Great tips, Allison. They really encourage me to look inward and try and park my biases at the door before I start a meeting or when I meet someone for the first time or even before I pick up a resume and start the recruiting process. Now, let's look at some traits of successful managers, those managers who have demonstrated leadership beyond unconscious bias. What are some of the common themes with those managers that keep popping up? traits of employees and employers who understand and know how to deal with their unconscious biases are one, someone who's willing to work with people from different backgrounds and who unconditionally accept work colleagues with cultural and other differences, as well as empathy, someone who is sensitive to other people's feelings and who has the ability to accurately and tactfully communicate with others. Combine those with a sense of genuineness someone with the ability to be flexible and spontaneous and who is authentically open and not phony with others. And if managers do get it wrong, clean it up. Don't be afraid to go to somebody and apologize if you feel that they have been treated unfairly, excluded because of who they are or not recognized for what they contribute. Make the situation right and then evaluate the system that led to the decision and explore ways you can improve the process. For the future. If I could share, I heard a quote um, from an unknown a while back that really resonated with me regarding the topic of unconscious bias and leadership. Quote, when we value the differences in people more intentionally, 
we realize that everyone has the potential to bring value, and it's our responsibility as leaders to coach them to their potential, end quote. Great quote, Allison. I think it really highlights that we need to look beyond what's on the surface and beyond any assumptions that we might unconsciously make. I have an idea. Given the wide variety of unconscious biases out there and the wide variety of situations where they can come up, what if I give you an example of a situation and you identify the unconscious bias taking place and what the manager can do to combat that unconscious bias? Absolutely. I'll do my best to answer what I think is the most appropriate response. Okay, let's start with this. Based on the scenario, what could the employee do differently, Allison? One employee asks another, where are you from? Is there an unconscious bias that's taking place in this scenario? Good scenario, Jeff, especially in Canada where we have such a diverse society. While asking someone about their ethnic heritage, to some may be just a way to get to know each other. But for those being asked, they might feel that they're not seen as really Canadian just because of their appearance. What should that employee asking the question have said? Nothing. If the person in question wants to discuss their identity, they can bring it up at their own discretion. Great response. Here's another unconscious bias scenario. One employee says to another, your name is so hard to pronounce. Allison, what's wrong in this scenario? Just the remark suggests that the person in question does not fit in culturally or linguistically, that their identity is not worth taking the time to learn about. If you can't pronounce a colleague's name, just ask them how to say it. Don't, don't point out that it's foreign or unfamiliar to you. Learn your coworker's name. It's a pretty basic concept. It is a pretty basic concept. I agree. There was this one time a colleague of mine was pronouncing my name Jeff with a G. Hey, Kevin, it's Jeff, not Jeff. Okay, Allison, here's the last scenario. A colleague is meeting a coworker for the first time and they say, wow, are you an intern? You look so young. Allison, is there something wrong with this scenario? Jeff, remarking on someone's apparent youth implies that they seem inexperienced or potentially unqualified for their job. There's no reason to comment on a coworker's appearance. If you generally want to know their job title, look it up in the company directory. Allison, thanks for running through those scenarios. I think they did a great job at showing how our unconscious bias might creep up from time to time. Now, before we wrap up today, do you have any final thoughts on unconscious bias that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yes, if I could. I think that we need to ensure we're not looking at reducing unconscious bias simply because of what's happening in the world around us right now. We need to be aware that the potential statishness of unconscious bias, when this topic moves away from the public eye, it doesn't mean that it has become any less important. It will not become any less relevant to who we are and how we conduct ourselves in life and work. Well, with that last question, it looks like we've run out of racetrack. You've certainly given us a lot to consider around unconscious bias and how some of those decisions might be influenced in ways we're not completely aware of. Like now, my body's telling me that a plate of chicken wings might be my best choice for dinner, but I have a sneaking suspicion that that's not the case. That's unconscious bias, right? Hmm, I think I might have some more work to do. 
Allison, before we wrap up today, I wanted to ensure that we got to chat about your favorite things in life. So let's start off with what's your favorite tool to help get things done? Uh, Dad, it might not be very original, um, but I have to say pen and paper. So I know that sounds a little bit funny in today's age, but I am a list person. I like to write it out. I like to see it on a piece of paper and be visual, have it, stick it in different places in terms of sticky notes. That's what I use to keep myself organized. Makes sense to me. The old paper and pen will never let us down when the power's out. Well, unless it's dark, I suppose. Okay, next question. What's your favorite resource to go to for industry information? Hmm. You know, I have to say I leverage probably the professional association as well as the law updates that come through. They can be really helpful at times. Well, we do have some great associations that work so closely with ADP. Okay, what's your favorite music album of all time? <laughs> That's a tough one. Um... So I'm going to go for a way back playback and, and don't, uh, don't laugh or anything, but I'd have to say it's one of my very first CDs that I bought, which is uh, the Pearl Jam album 10. Wow, a way back playback all the way from 1991. I can still feel the softness of my red flannel plaid lumberjacket shirt. It just doesn't get Eddie Vedder than that. Get it, Eddie Vedder? Moving on. Allison, what was your favorite cartoon or toy as a kid? Uh, definitely Nintendo. I was a huge fan of Death Hunting, Zelda, Mario. Um, I spent a lot of time, probably, uh, probably too much time playing that. Who didn't spend too much time playing video games as a kid? Did you know that the second player controller actually controlled the duck and duck hunt? You're welcome. Okay, let's wrap things up with the last question. Allison, what's your favorite piece of advice that you'd give to someone who's just starting out in their career? Yeah, I would have to say always, always say yes to an experience. So I have found over the course of my career, I've been approached at, um, you know, several different uh, time periods and asked to take on a different role or assignment something I wouldn't have considered for myself. Um, but I can tell you that when I said yes, and I did, uh, the experience in growth and career development was so fabulous. So I would just say, always say yes, even if you're unsure, you know, it will give you a good experience, at least, you know, something to learn and grow. Well, I'm so glad you said yes to coming on the podcast today. And I hope you had a great experience, Allison. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure being on the podcast today. And this is the part of the podcast where I thank everyone for listening in. I know it's tough to find time to carve out for thought leadership, and I appreciate you, the listener, for making the time for us. Anything we can do to help ourselves get better at something is time well spent. On our next episode, we'll be talking with more HR experts about today's most important HR issues. I'm Jeff Livingston. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind. We'll see you soon on our next episode of ADP's Insights at Work.